You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Nipe here with always typical lydia today's show we're doing the 2011 future classic i don't know i guess it's been 10 years god time flies you're next every time i say you're next i think like it needs context like you're next the film we're watching you're next on the next dead air what are we watching next on dead air you're next well why are you watching me (laughs) you know it's it's like it it's like how do you frame this and within context that what are you watching it well asshole what are you watching you're next <laughs> yeah it's almost like trying to have an awkward conversation with somebody saying do you know what it is i'm like well it's a movie no it you know it it the character it do you know what it is uh that's why we we thankfully can say pennywise no such luck with the film you're next which is kind of hard to keep track of because it's not it, it, it's a phrase horror movie kind of like you know don't go into the woods or that kind of stuff but um i feel like there's not enough words in it to make it seem like it must be a movie title like strip nude for your killer strip nude for your killer or texas chainsaw massacre it's a thing that happened it could be part of a headline you're next and then when they don't know what you're talking about you see you know like the strangers and then that doesn't help (laughs) who's on first <laughs> There's got to be a horror version of that somewhere. All these horror movies—they got really funny names nowadays. You know, a better writer than than I will come up with that. Maybe you one day. Maybe me someday. Yeah, Simon Barrett. Let's let's just put Simon Barrett. He can he can write it. <laughs> Are you there, Simon? This is uh wait—is this a Lydia pick? No, or is it my pick? It was this a my is pick. A West pick. Yeah, I was excited to do this one. Um, one, it happens to be one uh, my partner Cassandra's one of her favorites. She loves to tell the story about how at twelve years old she somehow got advanced screenings, a press pass to go see this film with her other twelve-year-old friend. And from the opening reel, when you see a whole ass tit. They feel like maybe they shouldn't be in the movie theater, but they were. At 12 years old, I get that. Hell yeah. It immediately leapt to mind when we started redoing the episodes and we've been doing stuff that's like a little bit more modern and we had just gotten through some modern horror films. And so I said, I got a modern one. And of course, now thinking about it, it's a decade old at this point, but you know, it still counts. Oh, it definitely still counts. And it was the the return of Barbara Crampton. Chris had pointed yep. that out to me. And I had been like racking my brain. I'm like, well, wasn't she in Sunchoke? Wasn't she in this? And I suppose those all came after this was her return. And what a return it was. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed yeah. seeing her in this. And she really made it special. You know, as far as modern horror movies go, there's nothing better than having a, a newer writer. Like we have Adam Wingard on this and we have Simon Barrett, like people that know what they're doing, but then you get this royalty that that really helps mm-hmm. bring in an older crowd to something that they may have overlooked. And of course, introducing some of these kids, so to speak, to 
horror royalty. Horror royalty, indeed. It's it's so fun when not only do actors from horror yesteryear, and I, I don't want to make it seem as though Barbara Crampton is uh, an ancient... <laughs> ancient individual uh because i mean you know she's not that old and she still looks fucking fantastic but she had suffered what a lot of actresses from well forever have to deal with is the fact that when they are aging out of the blonde bombshell sex kitten roles and they don't really they're not getting called as often fortunately people see that she has a lot to offer and she's still beautiful. And not only that, but they give her a nice juicy role with a lot to do. Not through the whole film, but just a, it's it's not a perfunctory walk on like, hey, remember me? Or she's not some random character behind a desk that gets t- two lines and then you don't see her anymore. It's not the novelty of uh, Barbara Crampton. It's the respect of like, hey, whatever happened to Barbara Crampton? Why isn't she working more? And this relaunched her career which was fantastic yeah entirely absolutely and i still think she's a blonde bombshell to a certain degree she got that time off to have children (laughs) and stuff like that always missing acting from what i understand from interviews and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. there's no better way to bring someone back i mean we have jamie lee curtis Mm -hmm. who went through something similar although she never left the screen just didn't do genre and then poof woke up one day and went to a fucking convention what the hell (laughs) Barbara Campton's been a a convention stable for a a lot longer as well. So it's just nice to have people like that continuing within the genre Mm. and have such amazing acting. I mean, the Jamie Lee Curtis of it all. I mean, there there is people that I I know had no idea that she used to be synonymous with horror because she had been doing other types of movies for so long, even since... You know, I was super young. Like some of the earliest movies that I was actually cognitive for, uh, they weren't horror whatsoever, right? So it's great that uh, people are dipping it back in. But yeah, always great to see Barbara Crampton and in such a fun home invasion film. Truly, and that is got to be one of my favorite of the more modern tropes because it's hard to do a slasher people have tried like with chrome skull to make a new horror slasher hero there's been a few that have caught my eye and i want to stick quite badly i mean we do hatchet we have that sort of thing Mm -hmm. but it, it seems to be easier perhaps on the budget to do a home invasion and it's it speaks more to the actual worries of people in the here Mm -hmm. and now where we've sort of explained away the boogeyman of the serial killer to a large extent we've explained away a lot of supernatural uh, possession slasher and stuff like that it doesn't really affect people like it used to or it doesn't speak to Mm -hmm. our fears where home invasion especially when it takes the turns that this one does i think that it does definitely speak to a larger audience and it's more terrifying it's got a broader fucking playing field for terror and no wonder that that sort of thing like i want to do hush eventually which is a sort of similar tone to it uh, but it also has the thing that i think is missing in this movie that made it not top 10 for me oh what's that We will get to that later on. Before we get into the stink here, so to speak, I do want to mention a hello to Nikki from Dark Between Pages. I posted shorts here and there, and I'm sort of nervous because I like to experiment with 
technology mm-hmm. and I'm not 22, so I'm no fun at all, but I have a TikTok. <laughs> Wes has a TikTok, which is actually fun. Oh, it's not that fun. It's it's what I do on Instagram, which is just show off all the plastic I like to buy. <laughs> Your Rocky Horror Picture Show TikToks are fucking brilliant. Okay. Hello. Thank you very much. That was that randomly became really popular. Yeah, yeah. No, there's nothing random about it, sir. It's random probably the day that you decided to do it, but the video is high concept and I thought it was a lot of fun. But yeah, so I've posted a few snippets, you might have seen them, of dead air because there's little technology things like Headliner and there's other apps that do it that allow you to just take snippets and add a little like waveform behind it. So it's a little snippet, but I'm always nervous about like, I'm just using this as like a fun sandbox, my YouTube channel. Are people going to hate this? But whatever, I got some (laughs) nice hearts. People seem to like seeing the little snippets of the show. So awesome. Mm -hmm. Thank you to Nikki for the, the hearts little black hearts who doesn't like a bunch of black hearts definitely check out uh, Wes's TikTok more than mine for that sort of stuff <laughs> yeah definitely um mine is just uh, I'm pretty sure it's just dead air 83 like my same as my Instagram but I post I, I cross post on on Instagram a lot so if you have me on Instagram or any social media you're gonna see it because I am uh you know a narcissist <laughs> and I like to get myself out there a lot more um, and, and, and it's always just about promoting my favorite thing in the world, me and my content. I thought you were going to say horror movies. Oh, wait. Yeah. No, sorry. Horror movies framed through me. Oh my God. Did I just write a new commercial for the podcast? I believe you did. <laughs> uh, it wouldn't work because this is our show, not mine, but that's really awesome. And you were experimenting with uh, live shows and stuff like that on your YouTube channel recently. Yeah, which also will end up serving you, Wes, because eventually someday when we're allowed to sit down face to face again, get a few more shows, get back in the groove of like, watch the movie, record the show like we like to be. And then I'm going to pop a camera in front of us, which was actually a Mm -hmm. Thomas wish list from way back when. And we're going to be hitting a Thomas wish list later, too. But like... Yeah, he had he'd thrown it out, like, why don't you guys do a live stream? And we were like, oh, God, no, I possibly couldn't do that. Oh, flattered, but I don't know. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Flipping my hair. Oh, I couldn't possibly. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. It's, yeah, another fun experiment that will eventually turn into some live-ass dead air. Yeah. When we are talking about home invasion movies, and I think you said it really well, it speaks volumes to the modern audience because of how prevalent random acts of violence seem to have become in our society. They get all the news headlines, you know, mass shootings and all that kind of stuff. And then literal acts of of terrorism. Everyone's always afraid of their little armored cocoons getting invaded by strangers who want to do them harm. And since society sells them fear every single day that the, the, the monster in the closet, the boogeyman, the, the sad boy from the lake, that doesn't work anymore. It's a guy in a sheet mask that just wants you dead. There's more of a a narrative reason for it in this particular film, but it's still sort of initially is that what the fuck is going on? Why are they doing this? You know, maybe just because? Spoilers, it's not just because. And therein lies my big disappointment because I totally wanted this to be just because. I know we've done The Strangers and Strangers 2 on the show, and if you want to go back to other episodes and hear me whine and complain about why I don't like Strangers 2... 
um, as much as Strangers it's... 1, but I really <laughs> liked Strangers 1, even if it is now an overwrought and maybe campy premise of because you were home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted so badly this to be the Strangers 3, right? I wanted this to be yeah. just because. I wanted this to be because, you, because your home is opulent and isolated. That was what you did wrong. Mm-hmm. Instead, we do get... A, a much more rich story. Sure, sure, sure. It was a much more rich story than that. But I wanted it to be random violence so bad. Yeah. Uh, and, and this time, you're not going to get a, a rabbit season, duck season like you did with Strangers 2. Uh, I, I do tend to agree with you in this instance that this plot point that really becomes what the movie is about is weakens the fear, in my opinion, because I think when you're dealing with a home invasion, you either have to stick with your premise and the premise should be the fear comes from the random act of violence. But the second you realize that this is not a random act of violence, it's a targeted act of violence. You as the audience member consciously or subconsciously can now take a step back and be like, well, I don't know one of my families like that. So what does this have to do with me? Yep. The tension absolutely destroyed what this movie has going for it um, to keep you there is it's quite violent. And so that's fun. And, and, and it, and it reaches like, no, well, we don't get like levels of violence, like macabre or, or, or something like that, but we get some pretty cartoonish fucking shit that eventually happens in this movie. And that is um, enough to keep me engaged, which is why I like this film so much. I thought that you would like it for the Home Alone sequence. But yeah, the gore keeps me here too, totally. And uh, Barbara Crampton, the family, the dysfunction, them sitting around that dinner table before all hell breaks loose is is compelling enough that I'm, I'm sold on the premise that this is a awkward dysfunctional family. And uh, is Z going to whip out a fucking heroin rig any minute? Like what is going on? Like is Felix, like he's got some, is he even part of this family? Was he adopted? Is that what, what this is going to be? Uh, Barbara Crampton's character, the mom is, uh-huh. is she like out on a day pass from the local mental institution? Like what is going on? Cause they set all these unsettling yeah. little threads at the beginning which is very well wrought. And then we have the initial attack, which I love. And then onward to some fantastic gore and then Krav Maga fucking bombshell chick who I think is going to whip out a butterfly knife any second because I actually knew a girl a lot like that and I loved her. So yeah, like all those things really work for me up until the reveal. And luckily the reveal comes late enough in the film that you're like, well, I've been here this long mm-hmm. already. I might as well we'll see how this ends. Yeah, there's like the the what is the the fox mask guy, which I was like, it's a wolf mask, isn't it? But he's credited as fox mask guy. Um, he even has that line where he's like, we're in this deep, man. Just gotta may as well see it through, right? And so yeah, I I could totally. I, I totally see it. Um, but fuck all that, Lids. What's this movie even about anyways? 
This movie is about how you ought to read the entire profile uh, before you swipe right, right? You ought to really get to know somebody. I don't know how long these two have been dating, but for her to have not understood what the tensions were in his family and stuff like that, and for him to not know that she is the a daughter of a, a violent prepper who was probably like Navy SEALs or some shit. Like for them to not know these fairly important things about one another, I hate my family and I could slaughter them on one side or the other. You gotta know this stuff. You should get to know people. Not before you bring them home for dinner with your dysfunctional ass family, but well before that, you should know the basic likes and dislikes. Yeah, this definitely seems to be something that you should get into, I would say, like, at least by month three of a relationship, just because it's, like, on that cusp of, like, hey, man, you've been dating this person, so, like, are we, like, making this official? Like, are you my partner now? Are you my girlfriend or boyfriend or however you want to look at it? And it's like, uh, let me just tell you this one story and tell you about my particular set of skills, and I'll, and you tell me if you still want to be with me and then this person's like by the way like my brother's popping zannies or whatever the hell he's taking all the time i believe it's xanax i believe so that definitely you're right that does seem to be that does seem to be what the movie is is actually about but we get this uh woman aaron and her partner who's her, her former professor and they're all going to a family dinner to celebrate their uh, Barbara Crampton and her husband. There's a lot of characters in this. I'm going to fuck up their names, but a lot of their names are fucking weird. So well, Crispin and Felix aren't that weird of names. Um, and I'm going to just keep calling Barbara Crampton Barbara Crampton because I'm an asshole. But <laughs> I think she was Aubrey was that character's name. Aubrey. But yeah. like it's, it's their 35th wedding anniversary and all the kids are coming down home and man... This is waspy central. As as talking to, uh, as a person who comes from a fairly waspy family, that the the tensions that are present while everyone is wearing turtlenecks and sipping wine is so relatable to me. It's so palatable. It's so you know. It, it, it's it, it's just like you can feel it in the air. Uh, it, it does a really good job of setting that up. Just like the hushed insults and then the gaslighting. And then I don't even know what you're talking about. That's not what I said. Like, what do you want from me? Like, all that shit is so good. And then you got Super Jock fucking giving everyone noogies in amongst all that. Which fits. It fits. <laughs> I was like, I'm not fat anymore. Oh, my God. <laughs> The movie does start off with some moida, and like I said, full ass tit. Um, you get to see a very gross man having sex with a lady, and they have, like the strangers, I just thought of it, a weird use of a song. This one CD on a five CD changer that has one song on it set to loop, and it just repeats over and over and over again at this neighbor's house because they've been Muted. Yeah, and this is my hero, Larry Fassenden, and I was so pleased to see him. He's one of the minds behind that amazing video game Until Dawn and a whole bunch of other glass eye picks. He's glass eye picks. Larry Fessenden, we weren't even, I think I saw like a glint of light off his ass cheek and I went, hey, is that Larry Fessenden? I was so stoked to see him banging some teenager i don't know how to frame that but i was very yeah. stoked to see him in this movie even though 
living, he doesn't last very long. He does play a set no. piece uh, within this film as well. So does his uh, erstwhile bride or whatever, because he's a divorced school teacher <laughs> that lives down the road. This is like that typical area where your neighbors are four miles away. You might not know them very well, but you know their dirty laundry. And it is speaks to that whole yeah. very waspish fucking bullshit going on. But these gorgeous houses, right? Gorgeous, gorgeous houses that were attacked just, what, the day before or something, if not hours before. And so you think that you're getting into... It's this like this is where it feels like hush even though hush uh, came out afterwards so i suppose hush has a little bit of a vibe of um your next instead in in the sense that like it seems to be a killer a group of killers that are going just down the road got the neighbors i'll kill this one too and it seems to be a, a big opportunity because you have a family, a, a large group of people showing up. And then initially you think, man, there's a lot of characters here. Who has the fucking balls to attack this many people? Exactly. And even though we don't know our secret weapon, so to speak, she hasn't shown her true colors yet. Aaron, the girlfriend who's being dragged here to visit her boyfriend's family and finally meet them, is like the secret weapon she could kick all of their asses so hard but we don't know that at that point we see a few checks and uh visiting dudes and some like weedy little dudes the father's fairly strapping drake the super fucking jock is a strapping dude i wouldn't want to go up against him not that i'm like gonna go up against anybody but he would be a comp- <laughs> competition for you wes yeah, it's a big guy. Yeah, so it's a fool's errand in a way. You've got this many people. One of them could call 911. Oh, no, you don't have to worry about that because they probably have one of those cell phone jammers that you can get online for about 30 bucks. Ah, uh, That is a plot point that I could see a lot of people just rolling their eyes at, but it's pretty simple to set up a blotto box in that way. You, you don't even have to order it for 30 bucks. I mean, you can wire up some fucking shit. You can sabotage a, a, the nearest cell phone tower, I guess. But like with 5G, we don't have to worry about that anymore, do we? <laughs> we don't. The, I think the thing that when you go back for repeat viewings and you and you know the twist, this becomes one of those lines that sticks out and then you really start watching that character and you're like wait a minute he's like maybe it's a cell phone blocker you guys <laughs> maybe you should go run out the front door real quick <laughs> uh the only other thing they could be is in cahoots with the cops right like that's the next yeah logical horror movie fucking magic bullet is that they're in cahoots with the cops so call 911 all yeah. you want it's just gonna go to the the regional detachment here which is staffed by pals of ours like that that wouldn't have flown but okay cell phone blocker gotcha yeah cell phone blocker the best thing about this opener not opener but when the film family squabbles are at their crescendo and everyone's arguing with each other and everyone's making fun of everybody else and and you know that that one guy's the filmmaker and he's got that huge scarf on and it's so fucking funny to me all of a sudden, you're reminded that you're in a horror movie and you're not in some weird episode of like Young and the Restless when boom, arrow right through somebody's head. And if you ever have this thought when you're at these family gatherings, like, oh, what happened if I just like fucking flip the table? Or I wonder what grandma would say if I just like fucking punched out 
my little cousin or something, what would happen? What would happen? Like, how would everyone really react? Well, <laughs> you have this moment as a pretty good basis about what would happen. Everyone would freak the fuck out. That particular character, the filmmaker is played by Ty West, and I find such delicious humor in a filmmaker that we know and respect uh, to whatever degree. Getting an arrow through the head. Of all fucking horror movie gags, the arrow in the head. The arrow in the head, Wes. But this is a fucking fine arrow in the head. And I like the initial reaction, which is very similar to what a lot of people would do, is nothing. Yeah. It's disbelief. Absolute disbelief. And I I love that. Very good. This is the thing that sets us up, too, for more gore to come, is this very believable instant death arrow in the head. Mm -hmm. I feel bad for him. I think he dies so early in the film that, like, you kind of forget about him. And, And... it's, it's funny because when you think about adult families, right, and you have some, like, what is there, like, four siblings, and then all of them have partners, that's eight right there, plus parents, and it's like, all of a sudden, and a lot of people are meeting each other for the first time, it's just like, man, everyone's, uh, and, and a lot of the relationship seems to be fairly new. It's like, they're either meeting partners for the first time, and the only established relationship seemed to be uh, the oldest brother and his wife or girlfriend that have been together for a long time. And everyone else seems to be there just brand new. And so the chaos of just that alone would be really intense. I'm really glad they didn't set this around Christmas time or Thanksgiving because that would have just been kind of a low blow because everyone knows that there's going to be tensions then. I like that it's just, it's a wedding anniversary, a fairly plain family celebration Mm -hmm. that is supposed to be fairly small and tight-knit. And something that is actually fairly joyous, especially when in this day and age, we're up against so many split families, right? So like to have this fairly wholesome gathering shattered as opposed to something that is always rife with stress of in one way or another, no matter how damn good your cookies are. Yeah. Or your plain pile of spinach with a single bun on the side or whatever it is they're eating for their appetizers. Amen. I'd go for a pile of spinach. But yeah, I really did like that tension and the fact that it is, uh, it ramps up and then it's all of a sudden cut short with the silence of an arrow in the head and then more arrows rain down. There's there's people outside shooting in with a crossbow because these are bolts and it's mm-hmm. the scramble to get down, the scramble to try the 911, the scramble to not get shot. Another gets injured, our favorite footballer. <sighs> he gets one right in the back and you think oh man like that and i was actually initially well, i remember the first time i saw this film i was like oh that's kind of surprising because he seemed to be him and his girlfriend seemed to be the the pot stirs they were the ones that had the most like stroked beards and clucked tongues thing to say to everyone oh filmmaker oh don't you think that your relationship's a little inappropriate and blah, 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 blah. like and so i was like oh okay well i guess he's down for the count i guess we're all done with character development. That's how that usually goes. Uh, but no, thankfully, he can pop some pills and keep on kicking. Uh, and I ended up like not disliking his character. At first, you're just like, oh, what a smarmy asshole. But then he kind of becomes better later. Well, what would you do if you were faced with this situation? You're at a family dinner. Whether you guys like each other or not doesn't matter because someone's fucking shooting at you from outside. As soon as you establish that the cell phones are all down, what what, what do you do? So I actually discussed this while I was watching the movie. I have a sneaking suspicion, and this is not, this is not, I, I don't think I'm, I, I, I'm 
delusional. I feel like I would be the fucking first motherfucker to die. I feel like I'm Mr. Arrow through the head. And here's my reasoning. If this is a targeted attack, I'm the biggest one in my family. Yeah. And I'm also a second degree black belt. And 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 so like if, if someone was like, let's kill the knipes, uh, they would just be like, kill, shoot that big one first. <laughs> if you weren't first, you'd be next. Yeah. Oh, I would be next. <laughs> but um, the and so like I feel like I'd be dead. But barring that, I don't know. Like I would like to think that I'm Mister Like Wes Snipe is a man of action. I'd like to think that, but I don't know. Like it would be so scary. And and like really, if you really thought about it, it would be really intimidating. But I think. I would try to be level-headed, and I, I could tell you at least I would try to be dialing 911 if the cell phone was jammed. I don't know, but I could tell you what I wouldn't be, Lids. I would not be Miss Quick Thinking, dodging with fucking chairs, calling 911, yelling people like how to handle arrow shots and how to handle all this shit. Aaron transforms yeah. instantaneously into fucking a commando which is the way you want to be your way your training ought to kick in whether it's trained like jamie lee curtis trains her daughter in the newest halloween (laughs) you want that training Mm -hmm. whether it's prepper or sas to kick in i've seen emergency trainers a a massage therapist pal of mine we're we're hanging out at warp tour so we were like warp tour you had the warp tour fun in the sun you know right checking out bands we were at the atreyu stage and she was not super into metal, but we had just come from Offspring, which is super her jam. So we were checking out my jam at this time, and someone dropped almost dead in a pit. They had some sort of attack or overdose or something like that. And without even thinking, she dropped everything she had, said, I'm going to go, like, you screamed at me. I'm getting emergency services. You stay here. Don't move. And she fucking ran. She was back in a flash with, like three EMS dudes in tow because it just like she just dropped everything and it was that dropping everything and the look on her face she just went into rescue mode and it was kind of crazy to see because seconds before she was like you know got my groovy hat on I'm checking out bands drinking beers whatever you know she went from party (laughs) mode to serious EMS mode with like in an instant and that's sort of the transformation we get here with Aaron, who is like ascertaining the situation and making sure people are like whoever is safe, at least safe enough, whether they're dying or not, isn't her problem necessarily. But let's see who's surviving and where the enemy is coming from and then worry about escape plan. We have somebody who might be where I would be, which is Amy who decides to run for it. And I've had many dreams. I used to have a recurring nightmare where there was some sort of Thing going on like this uh, some some evil in the house a killer a slasher a stalker someone attacking the house and i would run for it always and hide underneath one of the cars so whenever i see that in a horror movie i love it because i'm like that it's so me and i think that's where amy would have headed had she got out the door oh yeah um this is where this is where um you get the sense that like I thought there would be like more, like you said, Home Alone-esque traps than there actually ends up being in the movie, at least by the killers. Because you would think to yourself, uh, oh shit, they have the whole fucking house, like no one can escape. Not true. Uh, But they do have the front door wired, you could say. Um, 
th- this uh, slow motion run, you know something's up. Aaron is the only one that's saying like, uh, this is not a good idea. Like we should, like, you know, we should uh, all stick together and not go outside because they have fucking crossbows. And, you know, where you you can't shoot a crossbow into into the house unless you're by the window and as long as we're here but then you got old uh, felix just being like oh maybe you should go run outside you'll be running really fast it'll be fine don't worry about it like (laughs) and and so having that moment um and that's the first time that actually one of the kids the blood gets killed and that's where aubrey barbara crampton's character just fucking loses you're talking about a woman who instantaneously wants to escape a house because she heard a noise upstairs like her reaction to her only begotten daughter dying horrifically choking on her own blood in front of her yeah i know i said blood like i was 10 years old but uh, i love that reaction it was really good i like that and that's one and my unanswered questions with that character the mom aubrey is like she's treated like they're walking on broken glass around her that she's had some sort of frailty mentally at one point but they never explain what it is and it's not that i'm entirely nosy i just want to know what it was and is she all together now is that part of why she breaks down so rapidly you could be a rock in your family and have the exact same reaction so setting her up to be frail mentally in any capacity uh, it doesn't really help and they never answer that question it reminds me of the room movie where the mom has cancer and they never address it again and that's what it reminded me of it was just like oh mom's doing much better now after her stay at the funny farm or whatever or is she still on pills or whatever however they frame it uh they sort of just leave it dangling and that's supposed to explain her reaction to us to a certain degree i'd have i'd have appreciated that she had been the vigilant mother rock of the family that Mm -hmm. would have played a lot better for me but that's just me nitpicking this particular reaction via v how they set up her character as a paranoid person right i'd be fucking paranoid if i heard a noise i I wake up to every goddamn noise in the house right like and i'm not worried about home invasions and i haven't been at the funny farm today (laughs) you're right i agree actually wholeheartedly that it, it it doesn't really seem to be in service to anything if i were to come up with a defense for it it seemed more like trying to justify the plot twist later as if to say there's a lot of cracks in this family that run fairly deep into the foundation and secondarily you could also assume that when you have regardless of how old anybody is the the patriarch and the matriarch of the family in a crisis you would tend to you might voice your opinion but but it's still a semblance of control it's a semblance of falling into roles. Let parents will make decisions or be the final word on decisions, what we should do, how we should operate. And so having her, like, your mother's got to go lie down. She's got to go lie down by herself in a bedroom when we don't know what's happening. The worst possible fucking suggestion. But because she's so frail mentally, perhaps... In this case, it makes sense, but I do agree. I, I think it would be a much more interesting story if she, if they just kept Barbara Crampton's character just as this, like, very 
together person because it would make it seem less strange that everyone is so flummoxed and Aaron is so competent. Like she's just, it's such a huge contrast, I suppose. Yeah, the only other person Aaron has to uh, play off of is Drake, who's mostly down for the count. Hilariously, I think he actually plays some sort of uh, comic relief for me in certain scenes. He's just, he's like the drunk dude passed out that wakes up at a party every half hour with some comment and then goes back to sleep. That's what he reminds me of. But yeah, so they they get Barbara Crampton's character upstairs in bed where she's safe. And this is where they, although Aaron is urging them to all stay, pick a room, let's all stay in one room and fortify that room. uh, they, They tend to be splitting off and even have ideas of, okay, so... My sister didn't make it out, but I can go to the neighbor's house. I'll be I'll be sneaky like a hobbitses. <laughs> this is where we're really getting a sense of our killers. And I wanted to ask you, what do you think of our killers? I like them. And this is also what made me want it to be something more like preservation or hush or the strangers. Not just the masks either that, that did that. It was the silence of them. So I enjoyed their presence. I enjoyed that they were not only prepared by having weapons and having booby trap the house and block the cell phones, but just prepared physically. Uh, They seem to have backup weapons on them. They are dressed for success, so to speak. They maybe (laughs) Mm -hmm. are paramilitary or something like that. That's what you get just seeing them. Mm -hmm. Uh, The masks are fairly functional too, which I, I... well, mostly functional. I hate when in a movie like this where you're like, okay, this stalking super killer that is unstoppable is after these people, but he can barely see out of his fucking mask. A la Jason with a bag on his head <laughs> or other masked yeah. killers. All in all, I like them. Yeah, I totally dig their look. Yeah, I think that uh, if you were to look at the movie and look at their uniforms, they're being dressed for success, as, as you eloquently put it. Um like I think if you were going to make a comment about the fact that Aaron grew up as a sort of outback prepper and it was against this idea of of uh, militia taking over governments or it was again or or perhaps even the this is like the American idea of a prepper just like like I said, militia, hyper, like paramilitary type people who are also preppers uh, or, 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 or whatever they're doing, just playing by their own rules, what everyone really is afraid of. You could make that comment as like, okay, well, these guys are exactly who the preppers were warning us against as society would break down. So here they are. So all of our training makes total sense. But, they, but because it becomes a business tra- transaction, it it becomes a little that point that the film maybe was trying to make doesn't land for me. It is a little bit of a perversion of that. Definitely. I get what you mean. Um, I I like the idea that these guys have nothing to prepare for and nothing to fight against in this uh, society that we've built where everything's pretty fucking safe and goddamn well affordable that they're like, oh, we've got Mm -hmm. nothing doing and all these weapons. Uh, Some rich guy wants us to do like run an exercise basically so we're for hire because we've got mm-hmm. fuck all to do. Yeah. You know what? You're right. You just saved it for me because I didn't think about that until you were saying it. And I was like, all right. All right. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. They're preppers that got bored because the world didn't end like they thought it should. Yeah. Paramilitary. I think that's a, a lot of why they end up doing things like uh, storming Capitol Hill because they've got nothing better to do, nothing to fight against, nothing to prepare for necessarily. I mean, 
Y2K was a big letdown. That's for sure. Since then, <laughs> they've been just stocking up shit. Oh my god. I've had to explain to people what why not what Y2K was, but trying to make people understand that like the mood that people were fucking serious. Like that you think 2012 was a ridiculous thing. Like Y2K, like rational people that I respected, like had like were waiting for the grid to shut down (laughs) on New Year's Day. Do you know how much water and canned goods we had in our house? That's when we got crank radios for Christmas, for fuck's sakes. Like crank radios that are flashing handy someday. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I have two different (laughs) crank flashlights thanks to my mother. I don't have the radio here, but yeah, that's that was prepper light, prepper light. That was prepper light. My friends had flashlights on all their doorknobs uh, for every room. So like, just in case the power went out, no matter where you were, there was a flashlight right there. So that's kind of handy if there's uh, those little mag lights it would look kind of dainty i i I could i could get behind that oh no they were big swinging fucking (laughs) flashlights uh yeah that's like with the advent of led flashlights and little tiny mag lights i mean we got come a long way preppers must be very excited about some of the technological advances we have in ready meals and and led lighting absolutely um when these killers um start their start their killing um they don't really they are very mysterious they don't have any dialogue you're not exactly sure what their aim is except to kill the this family and we are treated to no matter what happens you either run out the door your throat gets slashed you try to run to the neighbors for help the neighbors have already been killed now you're killed like a like someone playing crochet with an axe. It's very cool. Um, so then you have the people remaining in the house waiting to get basically get killed or trying to figure out a plan. Uh, you have um, the parents, like like uh, Aubrey is dead with a machete, brutally killed with your next uh, written on the wall. And now the, 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 the father himself is like stalking the upstairs because he has discovered that these killers have been staying at this house for days. Water bottles and piss and sleeping bags. It's all there. Which, of course, explains the sounds that the mom had heard when they first came into their country home, I suppose this is. And... So she was not paranoid. There was somebody in the house all that time. And that heightens because we're we're getting close to the point that we've been spoiling up until now that these are hired killers. I know we're awful. Yeah, we are too, super awful. But I mean, I like this scene and we get a feeling of the tension that you would experience had you heard something in your house and then discovering this so the film is done very very well in that the tone remains with where we are in the film we don't get campy action when we're doing something sneaky we don't get arguing uh, family members when we're doing something somber the tone stays pretty consistent and i like that and i like the the feeling when the father is upstairs where his life is falling apart really but he's still keeping it all together enough to investigate these horrible sounds and is actually making some headway in his investigation when it is suddenly cut short (laughs) along with his throat um you have this moment now in which felix the youngest brother and his uh, girlfriend, Z, uh, I'm like, what are these names? Anyway, the 
the the the big root twist is revealed in which the fox mask killer kills the father and he drops dead to the floor and you see Felix and the killer standing next to each other and Felix of course knows that he's there and he says that you have to do this in front of me which is gives way to my favorite thing in what one of the killers does is he takes an earbud out of his ear and he's like are you saying something like indicating that this guy's just listening to music the whole time he's doing this. Yep. And doesn't really give a shit. Like they were given some sort of mission. They're accomplishing that. The family themselves are just flies buzzing around them. Even the one that he knows tangentially. And the upstairs at this point is painted in fucking blood. Absolutely painted in blood. And we get the reveal that they are hired and that Felix and Z are definitely in on this. And when Felix goes downstairs, he bald-faced lies. To us, it's a shaky lie, but to anyone else, it would pass oh, pretty yeah. well. Where's dad? Oh, he's still checking upstairs. Because they're not revealing that yeah. everybody upstairs uh, is dead now. Yeah, and and really, when you start thinking about this, like, it's, um, it's, uh, when you really start thinking about this, it's, uh, it is shaky lies, and you can really track Felix, like, sort of trying to herd everybody to make this go as quickly and as smoothly as humanly possible. Could you imagine what he's thinking when one of the killers shows up? This is, um, after, uh, this is after Aaron's boyfriend who, this is his whole family says he's going to go for help. (laughs) Crispin goes, leaves, leaves her alone. And this is when Felix and Z who we know are in on it, get to watch her, fucking murder a man with a meat tenderizer and and this is when i really kind of figured out oh, okay like the the masks don't really denote anything in these killers because i was like is the tiger is the fox the smartest and the tiger the most vicious and the lamb just like a follower like oh i'm trying to like build headcanon here lids yeah yeah i, I can see now how you would want to i can i can yes thank you for that I, I'm, now I will <laughs> probably be watching this or other movies where people have masks on or even bank robbers with masks and trying to see how their masks relate to their personality. I find that it's even better when the masks are incongruent entirely. I mean, you don't get it so much with the strangers. The mom wears a mom mask kind of thing. But like, <clears throat> like with this, <laughs> I didn't, oh man, that's adorable. That's adorable that you thought that. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I, I was, I was curious about that, but it doesn't really matter because man, Aaron fucks this guy up. It's not even like it's not even close. And this is not the first time that we've really seen these killers get hurt. And what I like about the killers when they get hurt is, man, do they act like they're hurt? Like they scream and they yell, and it almost is to the level in which you you got the sense that they had no idea that this was going to go this badly. Like they they were just like, okay, they're all a bunch of rich silken fops, and and we're going to roll in there. We're going to kill them all, and then all of a sudden. Aaron's like stabbing them in the fucking arm with knives, flipping around them, hitting their fucking knees, kicking them in the balls, and then boom, boom, boom on the head ten times until your head is cottage cheese and you're dead. Yeah, kill them dead. It's not a double tap to make sure you got them. She fucking flattens them as soon as she gets her hands on them, which is what you should do. You know, you need to stop them, not incapacitate them. You don't want to question them. You want to stop them. And she does a fucking fine job. So everyone's mouths agape, staring at her 
demoing this guy. Uh, yeah, that's that's when yeah. I my heart grew a little because I had known a girl a lot like this whose father had trained her, not maybe to this degree, of course, but she's the kind of girl, super gorgeous, you know, beautiful eye makeup, silken hair, wonderful dress, fits like to a T, casually practicing with her butterfly knife, you know, that sort of awesome chick <laughs> whose father had... Um, trained her in self-defense like a lot of fathers do and she reminded me very much of this girl she's just when she's on she's on she's a 10 ton truck of killing machine and i liked it a lot that's awesome i knew uh uh i was friends with a a woman who always had three knives on her and and she would say that and and you'd be like you don't have three knives on you and she's like yeah i do and she pulls out giant knife from her purse she opens up her leather jacket. She's got another knife in there. And I was like, where's the third knife? Pulls it out of her fucking boot. Yeah. And it's huge. Uh, <laughs> and I, So it's that type of thing. But fuck all that. Erin doesn't need a goddamn knife. She doesn't need anything. She's got a meat tenderizer. She just pulled shit out of the kitchen. And she is going to kill you with it. And she holds onto that hammer for a little bit. But it is her um, tenacity. It's her viciousness. To just get things done. And Felix and Z, who we know are in on it, kind of look at each other. They don't try to help her whatsoever. And she even makes a comment about that. And then Felix is like, oh, well, you know, it seems like you had it under control. Like, <laughs> yeah. And we can see right through it, of course, because we're in that position. Unfortunately, because I really wish that reveal would have come. Like, it comes late enough that I'm sold. But I wish mm-hmm. I, I wish it didn't exist really i just wish that they were being attacked by randos but yeah. um, i wish it had come yeah. a little bit later so we could get a lot more of that discomfort where z is all thumbs when trying to help her create her nail traps because aaron's not just killing dudes she is fortifying and protecting the room she deal deems the safest by hammering a bunch of nails into boards to create spike traps basically outside of the windows there's a really um, great line that comes because like people are suggesting things around Aaron constantly. Like we should go do this. We should go do that. And she's like, no, don't do that because of this. And she has a reason why that's a bad idea. And even things like, okay, there's only one place in the whole house that doesn't have windows. It's the basement. And she's like, okay. And they're like, well, we should go down to the basement for safety. And she's like, fuck that. They'll just pour gasoline down there, light a match and we're all dead. And I was like, oh my God, like, I wouldn't even have fucking thought of that. And 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 so she has this line. And then later on, when when they need to get weapons and supplies from the basement, I thought to myself, oh, don't go into the fucking basement, you idiots. They'll fucking burn you alive in there. And then I was like, no, wait, Felix and Z are in the basement. They're going to fucking burn their pay dirt yeah. alive. You know what I mean? Like, And so those are one of those moments where I was like, oh, yeah, like it kind of does just bleed the tension out of the room because like, you know, an attack is not going to come and then you also know that of all the people in the house right now there's only two people that are in danger like no one else is in any danger because it's like you have the killers one is dead there's two killers left and then there's um felix and z who up until this point we know is in on the killing and so it's only the eldest brother and aaron because aaron's boyfriend fucked off yeah the eldest brother who has been up until this point uh some sort of comic relief because he had the arrow in him and then they give him a whole bunch of oxys or whatever to help him cope with the pain so he's just been the bumbling fool all this time yeah he's been passed out in the living room behind one of the curtains hidden 
all passed out on on oxys or whatever and then he wakes up and sort of bumbles around when one of the killers is in getting his foot stabbed through by one of these spike traps that set out of a window so it is it becomes a little bit bumbly keystone cops at that moment but not quite like home alone levels holy fuck is he pissed off that he just stepped on some nails because like we find out in a couple of minutes that his fucking brother was the one of the killers that was killed so you're like oh man but then also i i love that you like referred to home alone because i thought of that while i was watching the movie i was like man this is like really like the fucking r-rated home alone that moment in home alone when lloyd goes into the window and steps on those christmas ornaments the glass ones into his feet and he doesn't say fuck is one of the most unrealistic things in Home Alone, not to mention the fact that none of the traps kill the criminals. But like this one, when he steps on the nails and he's like, fuck, what a fucking shot, like, fuck, fuck. He's just losing his mind. And you're like, all that stoic, cool, silent killer stuff is all gone. Like, he's like, ow, my fucking foot, there's nails in it. <laughs> like... It's so, it's so realistic. And that actually brings to the point in which he then gets stabbed in the back. And that's when uh, the eldest brother and Aaron, like, they, like, almost like they have this weird moment where they're like, he, like, the brother has the axe. She's got her weapon. Like, there's no way this, this guy couldn't even kill Aaron, let alone he's going to kill both of them in the same room. So he dips, he leaves completely. Um, that's when Felix really knows that his plan is just fucked up like tons of his family are dead now but like they've already lost one of the killers and another one is super injured yeah yeah at least he'll save some money if all the killers get dead but he won't get that inheritance because drake is older than him so drake is the real threat not only is he big not only is he tough even though he's doped up and has an arrow in his back at this point he's the threat right so (laughs) what is poor felix to do but finally i guess in the darkest sense man up and kill his own brother this scene is so fucking funny because he stabs him so many times with screwdrivers. Yeah. <laughs> like yep. so many times. Gets him into the basement, gets him he, alone, stabs him and makes a, a poor show of it because his brother is a, is is a machine. He's huge. He's super built and he's already endured all this and he's on a bunch of painkillers so he's not going to react badly to being stabbed with a screwdriver i guess except by his brother that kind of sucks but it shows like the the darkest weedy skeevy slimy side of felix that we've been waiting to see now it's really true you can tell um the uh, given the the dynamics of this family felix is is rich he's like no matter how much he wants to act like the, the black sheep of the family. He's even wearing black. Um, he is still a man of privilege. And so he hires people to do his dirty work. And so he feels very incensed that he had to actually commit one of the murders himself. It got his hands dirty. This sort of brings the, the full extent of the plot out. While the three killers have an argument, the lambhead guy is furious and... As they're discussing payment and, and what was discussed, and, and also we get a little bit of background that these guys are at the very least some kind of ex-military, who knows. Um, although the, the fox mask guy doesn't really seem like the military type. He looks like a dude that just might like murder, I don't know. But um, he, this is where Aaron discovers everything that she needs to know about the plot and it just so happens that a text message that she tried to send to 911 a while ago 
finally sent with a cool, loud notification for everyone to hear. Yeah, you got to have those cool, loud notifications for everyone to hear. What is a movie with cell phones without it giving you away to the killers at one point or another? It also works both ways, this giving things away via cell phone technology. But it appears that our cell phone blocker has been lifted. Yeah, uh, Felix at one point uh, went to his trunk and turned it off. At the time, you're just like, why does that make any sense? Like, why would you do that? Uh, Now of all times, when you still have the most dangerous person alive. Um, And it gets revealed later. I think it tends to make sense. Uh, given the fact that uh, there's still another member of the family that has been MIA for a good chunk of the movie. But one thing that I like about this film is the fact that like a lot of the kills aren't really all that drawn out. Even if you think that it's, oh, they're going to do something really spectacular about this. It's going to be like a really brutal fight. Like here comes Aaron and she is going to kill the fox mask guy who, who seems kind of like the most reserved he seems to i'm not gonna say he seems like the leader but like i said he just seems like the smartest one the calmest one maybe by that being the most dangerous because the lamb guy is clearly like the most chaotically angry and tiger guy's dead so fuck him but you think that this might be a drawn out fight but no aaron is ruthlessly efficient with taking him out as well and just pounds his fucking head into cheddar she seems to really like to do that um go for the head yeah. i mean it is the the best stopping spot for a human being that's for sure um now she's pieced this all together at this point upon first watch it was it was tough for me to figure out what had happened to crispin because they'd stopped kind of following him a long time ago and he was going to go for help and i thought they were just going to pan to his body battered in the in the bushes somewhere but um Instead of getting any sort of resolution yet, as far as Crispin goes, what we get is a yet another home alone. So she doesn't even spend all of her time in this house entirely. And I was trying to wrap nope. my brain and trying to remember where it was that they got they injured her. Because she gets injured. She has a hurt leg. And then it's not even them. The killers don't even get the upper hand on Aaron at any point. Even her injury is self-inflicted because she has decided to jump out a second story window. Which is no. the beginning of where the yeah. tone starts to shift here because she is sneaking around. The, they are panicking because they've lost track of their one enemy, right? Aaron is the only one that could really ruin all of this for them. Felix is definitely agitated by this point. But she uses this time to circle around and confuse them into thinking she's still outside, is back in the house and concocting her own traps. Yep, that's right. She booby traps the main entrance almost in the same way that they had booby trapped it, except a lot more fun because she grabs a brick she grabs i think she uses the same wire that was used to razor the youngest uh, or the only sister's throat and she create and she uses the axe and she creates like this device this implement that will be used later but um not before not before she dispatches everyone because she is like you're right the most dangerous person Including the killer. She is the most dangerous person because I almost feel like if, if the, if the trio of hired killers had been adequately like mentally prepared to deal with someone of her level, they would have taken her out first or somebody should have 
known to take her out. Like even she had her back turned to Felix and Z so many times. They probably should have taken her out. But the second that things, I feel like the second one of the killers lost their own, they were just, it was a mess and they could never recover from that. And I think like in a weird way, they were angry, but I think at the, at the, in the real sense of it, everyone was scared of her and they had every right to be. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, Z at the best is a voyeur when it comes to all of this. A thrill seeker, mm-hmm. sure, but all uh, watch and no action. And Felix would have lost his yeah. taste for death having been backed into killing his own brother when he felt that it's not his job and he shouldn't have to get his hands dirty. And what is he paying these guys for anyway? So I could get why um, they were no real threat to Aaron uh, up until this point mm-hmm. where all bets are kind of off because everyone's getting a little bit desperate right now. Um, Felix, of course, it's a joy to see him get uh, taken out. It's, it's a pure joy. And not only just oh. from my love of Dead Alive <laughs> and things like that, where the gore is, <laughs> is quite deserved by this point as well. And just the fashion, because they've been in other rooms where there's lots of weapons. There's other weapons she could take off of um, the dead killers. And there's probably other weapons in this house. But they're in the kitchen. Where there's a lot more fun weapons to be found. There is a kitchen and man, does she use a blender on his head. Now, I don't know if if the spikes in a blender have the power to, to go through a human skull and not get gummed up and jammed. But who fucking cares? It's a horror movie. We're having fun. And this dude gets the whole top of his fucking brains just eaten alive by this while... Z looks on like almost stupefied before Aaron very skillfully flips a knife around and jams it straight into the top of Z's head. Now, these two like never really represented a huge threat to someone like Aaron because she was able to kill trained killers. But that's what makes this so satisfying. And this is when Aaron is basically just fucking Jason Voorhees. Like she can't, she will not be denied. Yep, yep. The the knife in the top of the head is great because it's done with such force, and I've always liked that particular kill in any movie. I bet you that blender is a blend tech, so it will blend. If that answers your question, because they have the money for <laughs> will it blend? the two thousand dollar blender for sure, easily. So I'm pretty sure That's true. that it would crush ice and beyond, uh, definitely. So the house is subsequently booby-trapped. At this point, we get yet another cell phone folly because it's not going to give anyone's position away necessarily, but it is going to give away our position on fucking Crispin because Felix's cell phone starts to ring. Oh, yeah. And if you thought that Felix was a sniveling coward because he hired people to kill his family for inheritance money, tale as old as time. Oh, you hate to see it. This is Shakespearean. Yeah. We have a guy, a self-proclaimed pacifist, if you can imagine, who has just been sniveling out in the woods because, oh, the second he saw blood, oh, I'm, I'm a pacifist. I couldn't have been there. Crispin, Aaron's own boyfriend, has been in on it the whole time. Yeah, she answers the phone and doesn't say a thing, which is a really good tactic if you're getting plagued by telemarketing calls of any sort. Just pick up the phone and don't say anything because it will think that it's got like an answering machine or a fax line or something and it will stop calling you, which is a pro tip. But yeah, that's what she does. She picks up the phone and doesn't say a word and he thinks that it's Felix and gives himself up entirely. 
the horrible, horrible man. Like, it, it reminds me of that old uh, Sun Tzu uh, proverb, or however you would call it, but an enemy given enough rope will frequently hang themselves. Because Crispin fucking gives it all away. Yeah, yeah. To the his killing machine girlfriend. <laughs> and then comes probably my favorite scene in the movie. It's Crispin almost in a weird way rationalizing it by also peppering in. Yeah, it's a bit, bit weird that you're really good at killing people. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that conversation quite a bit. Although his rationalization for it is just angry making too and sort of like throwing in her face like, well, you got all these student loans. I know you have student loans because I'm your prof. And, like, that could all be taken care of. All this will just go away. Like, it never happened. Except we're rich Yeah, now. but if I, if I go to jail, if I go to jail, you get nothing, is what he says. And then you get that moment of because you were home. Because she stabs him and uh, in the neck. And he's like, why? And she says, why the fuck not? And then stabs him in the fucking eyeball. Which makes me think that her and Z might have gotten along a little bit better had they given time to bond you know, over a nice family dinner or something. Yeah. <laughs> but she's not going to have too much time to relic, relish in it because she's instantaneously shot by police. But don't you worry. Oh, no, don't you fret. It is a non-lethal shot. Of course it's a non-lethal shot because we need some kind of final girl throughout all this because this cop is certainly not going to be that guy, girl, person. <laughs> no way. <laughs> No way, because those booby traps were made by a pro. Oh, man, it is pretty funny. It's a great way to end the film, a really great way, as the cop opens up the door and triggers the, the axe booby trap, and instead of seeing a body, it's just a big splash of blood with a title treatment. That is dead air podcast cheese that I love. Yep. That is a, a, a great way to end a movie. Great way to end this movie. And it brings it back to its gory roots instead of this twist, which, I mean, I, I, I wanted it so badly to be just a random attack or some sort mm. of thing that we didn't know about the father and business partners or something. I don't know. We want the John Benet Ramsey mm -hmm. letter left on the table afterward or something. like I don't know. Mm -hmm. Something else other than mm -hmm. these trust fund kids that weren't satisfied with that future and wanted all the money for themselves um like that part just stuck on me a little bit the wrong way but that end does make up for it and having Aaron survive throughout all of this although she's not married to anyone so she's not gonna get any money now is she she won't get any money um and she might get nailed for manslaughter with the cop in the door i don't know like i'm always interested in films that end on how does this person explain what happened and also make it clear that they're not responsible for any of the deaths that have happened or even if they are they were within their rights to do so. Like, I'm always just like, she's got to go to court for this, but I'm not saying she's going to do time, but it's going to be a long ass process. Very similar to the last movie yeah. we watched, Open 24 Hours. Like, how is she going to explain all these people that she definitely killed? Yeah. Um, maybe they couldn't prove that Aaron had built that final thing or that Aaron had killed anyone outside of self-defense. And I'm sure part of her uh, preparation training has um, a faction where you don't talk to the police, where the police are not your friend. And she would know exactly how to speak on their level to them in her best interest. So I have a feeling that she would have got out of there fairly scot-free. 
and alive. I guess that's the important thing, yeah. right? You can just get out of fucking USA and back to where things make sense. You're back to Australia. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun, and and uh, and I'm glad that uh, that you enjoyed it. And yeah, to a point, and you know, the plot twist, I I do agree with you totally. Mm-hmm. I think that's also just our kind of quasi nihilist um, yearning for darker fare when it comes to horror films. That's all. We we don't we like a fun ride, but we're not going for a fun ride. And this by the end is what it was. I think you hit the nail on the head there, as you usually do. I think what this movie ma- like lacks to make it truly great. It's got a great final girl. It's got a great look. It's well shot. All the acting is top notch. It just lacks that nihilism that I love with Home Invasion. It's like you can't have it both ways. It's either daytime soap opera murder plot or it's a home invasion film. And I feel like if it's too similar to one and not enough of another, you kind of get yourself a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, I I heard that uh, the writer had had, uh, said that after thinking about it, he might have had Bay of Blood in the back of his mind when he was writing this, that sort of intricate murder plot amongst well-off people yeah yeah okay that makes a lot of sense because you know there's better ways to go about this you could have um started gluing all of the windows shut as they sat down Mm -hmm. to argue over dinner and then pump Mm -hmm. the house full of gas and put everyone to sleep you know made some sort of reason for your two future trust fund kids to escape the house with z i suppose and just gas everybody slows them down incapacitates them certain death even for someone of drake's size it would have gone off a lot smoother (laughs) what do we got next for them coming up next we're going to take a little bit of a journey not to the countryside to our rich in-laws homes but we are going to go on a tourist trap oh we're going to go look at funny puppets or mannequins (laughs) that's awesome i'm looking forward to uh Get back into those moldy oldies with you. Moldy oldies, because like as much as we like uh, traversing some of these new horror territories, um, I wanted to get back into something older. And I like these West picks for a bit. We got some Lydia picks coming up. But in between that, we have a Thomas pick coming up because we're going to do The Hills Have Eyes. And this also plays into a oh, little yeah. bit of summer getaway fun. It's It goes back to, it's like you, you're not safe if you stay home and you're not safe if you go on a trip with your friends or family. Too true. It doesn't matter where you go. You're never safe. Ever, 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 ever. On that note, I'm Wes Knight. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air.